Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, beautiful people, everybody tuned in on a, on a, uh, just a gorgeous Monday. Gorgeous Monday. December 12th, full weekend of NFL football. Not as much college football, but that's all right because we got plenty to talk about in the world of sports. The NFL roughing the passer has gotten so out of hand. It is, it's hard to watch in some cases. Uh, Baker Mayfield is just back, fully back. Uh, Tennessee fans are buying Twitter bots to trash Stetson Bennett. We'll get into it. MLB free agency, we've talked about it already, but the main thing we, we seem to have left out uh, was the fact that John Heyman, MLB reporter, uh, should be exiled to the farthest island in the middle of the ocean as quickly as possible. So we'll, we'll get into all of it. Hopefully you guys enjoy episode 47 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. And uh, yeah, let's get into it on a Monday. The Phenomenal Fan Podcast. A podcast by the fan for the fan. It's Monday, and we have some interesting topics to talk about today. We've got a great episode for you guys. First off, I want to start by talking about Mike Leach, uh, head football coach at Mississippi State. I'm not entirely sure uh, what happened, uh, but I, I guess he's like in really bad critical condition. Um, I don't know what happened. But the word is, it's not looking good for Mike Leach. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what happened. But Mississippi State football put out a statement that said, uh, head coach Mike, Le Mike Leach remains in critical condition at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. Mike's family is with him and appreciates his overwhelming expressions of love and support for the coach, but also requests that the family's privacy be respected at this time. That's the extent of the information that Mississippi State has available regarding Coach Leach's condition, and the university will make no other comment at this time. Mississippi State will issue additional information via social media when it becomes available. Uh, I mean, Joel Klatt tweeted, prayers for Mike Leach. Um, another gentleman, uh, Robbie Falk. I'm not exactly sure. Robbie Falk is, uh, he covers Mississippi State sports. Um, and he tweeted out, Mike Leach needs a miracle, folks. Continue to pray. Uh, wow. I mean, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know, but hopefully Mike Leach is okay, man. I hope, I mean, he's a great personality. He's a great um, guy for college football to have. And he seems to, to be a pretty, you know, sensible, smart coach. So hopefully he's okay. Um, wish the best for coach Mike Leach and I don't know. Hopefully it goes well. 
but we don't know any details, so we don't gonna, we're not going to speculate. We're not going to make any assumptions. So, um, didn't want to start the episode on, on a super somber note, but again, hope Mike Leach is well, and we'll move on from that. Um, we'll go through the NFL slate here because we had a crazy weekend. In some cases, in other cases, we just absolutely didn't. Thursday night football, Rams Raiders. Raiders are favored by about a touchdown. Rams have nobody. Everybody's hurt. Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Baker Mayfield, who was signed, picked up off waivers from uh, the Panthers, gets picked up by the Rams. Has known the playbook for two days, three days. Doesn't get the initial start. The Rams go with uh, I want to say they went with what's his name? Gosh dang it. Rams quarterbacks. John Wolford. John Wolford gets a start. I don't even know if he attempted or threw a pass, uh, but Baker comes in 22 of 35, 230 yards, has a touchdown. QBR is not great. Passer rating is okay. But none of that really matters because what ended up happening, Rams were down by 13 points in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back with... uh, It looks like about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. They run a seven, <laughs> 17 play drive, go down the field, score a touchdown, and make it 16 to 10. Then the uh, then the Raiders get the ball back, three and out. They punt, but they leave a minute 45, and I think either one or no timeouts for the Rams. And the Rams are starting from the two yard line. Rams go down the field, score a touchdown. Baker Mayfield leads them. Ends the drive with a perfectly thrown over-the-top ball to, uh, I think it was Allen Robinson. Sorry, Van Jefferson. And uh, I was confused, Van and, and Allen Robinson. The Rams take down the Raiders 17-16. to Raider, uh, Rams had no business winning this game. No business winning this game. And the, the Las Vegas Raiders were hot. All right, so... Here's your takeaway from this game, okay? First of all, Baker Mayfield is just back. Say what you want about Baker Mayfield and his talent and how he performs in some games, right? Say what you want about Baker's arm, his size, his speed. But one thing that will never be doubted from Baker Mayfield is his competitive nature and his ability to inspire teammates around him that buy into what Baker has to offer. Okay. Because like I said, he's Baker's never going to be the biggest guy. He's never going to be the fastest guy. He's never going to have the strongest arm. He's never going to be the most accurate quarterback in the game. Most likely. But I would love to be Baker Mayfield's teammate. I would love to play with him or behind him or whatever the case is, because it feels like to me, he plays this inspired football and it's hard to say he's got the underdog mentality because yes, he was the number one overall pick. But he is the underdog in a lot of cases, because like I said, he doesn't profile as good at quarterback as a lot of these other guys do in the NFL. 
and he hasn't put up quite the numbers. But Baker, as a competitor, is exactly what you're looking for at the quarterback position. He's a perfect demeanor. The problem is sometimes he runs into trouble and, you know, body language isn't great. Sometimes his mistakes start compounding on top of each other. It goes interception, interception, interception. Next thing you know, you're down 27 to three and it's like, all right, well, the game's over, right? Um, but Baker competes and... You know, he got a lot of flack at Oklahoma for some of the antics that he went through, right? Grabbing his jock, um, flipping people off potentially may have been a thing. I don't know if that was him or Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Either way, he had some antics. Uh, but I'd rather have a guy like that that's fired up, that's going to go to battle, than a guy who has this even keel demeanor, Low energy, right? Like Andy Dalton, Trevor Lawrence. These guys where it's like, man, if I'm playing with that guy, like, I know the guy's, you know, talented also. But like, how good? Or like, how how bad does, does Andy Dalton really like want to win? Maybe he wants to win at the same level as Baker Mayfield. Maybe. I would take if I had if I had to pick between two quarterbacks. One quarterback has a little bit better numbers, um, takes a little bit fewer risks, and you know what you're going to get with quarterback one. Quarterback two, the numbers may not be quite as good, but he's fiery, he's competitive, he's a leader, and he and he. Obviously and openly wants to win. I'm taking quarterback two, and in most cases, that's Baker. Right? Now, that being said, okay, the next topic we wanted to talk about, and when we're covering uh this this NFL slate, right? Um we go through this. I guess, yeah, we'll go through the slate, okay? Bills beat the Jets 20-12. to Bengals beat the Browns 23-10. to Neither of those games stand out to me. The Cowboys beat the Texans 27-23. Cowboys are 10-3. They're 7-1 at home. Do not be fooled by the Cowboys, okay? Do not. Do not be fooled by the Dallas Cowboys, in 2022 don't they are a slightly above average team that will most likely make the playoffs and lose if not in the first round in the second round and if they end up with a first round buy as a number one seed well that that won't happen the eagles will get the number one seed the cowboys will probably finish as the number two seed in the nfc and they'll get a home game and they'll probably lose in that first round because they're just not that good. They're just not that good. The record's really good. But Dak has been pretty average. Zeke has been pretty average. 
CD Lamb has been okay. The only pop player, all star, super califragilistic uh, performer, the only guy that's like stood out to me on the Cowboys is Tony Pollard. The rest of that team is, to me, just very, very middle of the pack, even keel. Okay. You look at some of their wins. Right. And again, don't be full. Oh, well, they blew out the Colts 54 to 19. They literally ran up to score against the Colts and scored like over 30 points in the fourth quarter just to make the score look a little bit better than it was. Right. I know they beat down the Vikings, but they lost to the Packers. They lost to the Eagles. And they lost to the Bucks. The rest of the teams that they've beaten this year, it's not impressive. It's not impressive. Their wins and their schedule is not impressive. They beat the Giants, okay. They beat the Commanders, okay. They beat the Rams, the Lions, the Bears, the Colts, the Texans. There's nothing about their schedule and their wins and their quality wins, like the way that they're beating opponents that says to me, oh, this team's going to dominate. Because once it gets down to the nitty gritty, things almost fall apart for them. And they beat the Texans by four points. Don't get fooled by the Cowboys this year. If you see them in the playoffs, you see them as a number two seed home team in the playoffs and you're starting to pick Super Bowl favorites. Don't take the Cowboys. Just don't. Okay, just don't do it. The Lions beat the Vikings 34-23. Are the Lions good? Question mark? Are are the Vikings good? Question mark? Because I don't know. Are the Titans good? I don't know. Are the Giants good? I don't know. Lions beat the Vikings, like I said, 34-23. Jaguars beat the Titans, 36-22. Eagles dominate the Giants, 48-22. Ravens beat the Steelers, 16-14. 49ers beat the Bucks, 35-17. 30-24, Panthers over the Seahawks. Chargers beat the Dolphins, 23-17. Now... The other games we wanted to touch on here. 49ers and Bucks. Okay. 49ers, like I said, they beat the Bucks 35 to 17. Uh, 35 to 7. I don't want to give the Bucks too much. They only scored seven points in the game. Brock Purdy is starting for the 49ers. Okay. Now, Brock Purdy didn't play a bad game. He went 16 for 21, hit 185 yards, two touchdowns, 134 passer rating. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. A couple things to take away from this. Before we talk in the 49ers, right, we got to talk about the Bucs. We got to talk about Tom Brady. So... Brady scores seven points again. Brady Brady has a horrible time scoring points. To me, there's no reason 
why Tom Brady should still be playing in the NFL. There's absolutely no reason why he should still be playing. I totally understand and can respect a guy like Tom Brady who's on such a different level, right? He's he's like Kobe. He's like Michael Jordan. He's these guys that are so he's like Derek Jeter. They are so like psychotically uber competitive and top tier performers. They hate losing. They just they want to be better than everybody. They want to compete. They want to they want to get that sense of beating people. I I like I I totally get it. I do. Right? Hyper competitive, just dedicated to their craft. Uh almost to a fault, right? In Tom Brady's case, his kids, you know, are probably hoping or wishing like dad was at home more, especially after he turns 40. His wife divorced him. Now, Brady is 45 years old, still in the NFL, still slinging the rock, and his numbers are bad. Really, really bad. And it's not even his fault, right? His supporting cast uh, in Tampa Bay is not ideal. Um, and he's just old. He just can't do what he used to do. He's just old. And there's no reason why Tom Brady shouldn't just have retired after he won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. The only reason he went to Tampa Bay is to prove to everybody, hey, I can do this without Belichick. I'm not a product of the Belichick system and the defenses and, and New England and all these different things. So he went to Tampa Bay, new head coach, new system, first year, goes down there, wins a Super Bowl. Boom, that's it. Now he's got seven or eight or <laughs> whatever the number is of Super Bowls. Nobody's saying he's not the GOAT. It's undisputed. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Hang it up, Tom. Go out on top. You got a Super Bowl. You got a, a supermodel wife. You got a beautiful family. You got everything in front of you. And you're 40, 41 years old. That's it. What else do you need? You got eight Super Bowls, seven or eight. I can't remember the, whatever. You got a ton of Super Bowls. Uh, multiple franchises. Undisputed GOAT. And you come back for the year after then he comes back like he did loses to the Rams in the playoffs Tom Brady super crazy uber competitive can't get enough of it he retires but like he never officially retired and then he wants to prove everybody wrong comes back and now he's 45 years old in the NFL and just it's honestly like pretty sad watching Tom Brady play. It's pretty sad. Uh, and I don't mean that like it's going to take away from his legacy, right? Tom Brady's legacy is cemented forever. He's always going to be the greatest of all time. Nobody's going to debate that. I debated it for a long time until he went to Tampa Bay and won the Super Bowl. Then at that point, you're like, dude, this guy's just, he's the man. Now Tom Brady, his family kind of falls apart. He's getting blown out by Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. It, you know, the division the Bucks are in is really bad, so Tom might still get in the playoffs. I mean, but come on. He's not going to get past the first round. He's not. If he comes across this 49ers team again, it's going to be the same result. 35-7, to 7, it might be worse. It might be worse. 
I mean, man, it's sad. Brady should have retired as soon as he won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. His his life personally would have been way better off. His legacy would have been cemented. And it would have been the perfect ending. And at some point, all these guys, like I mentioned, it compared him to Tom Brady, uh, you know, Kobe, Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan. Besides maybe Michael Jordan randomly coming back for like that one year on the Wizards, the rest of those guys, man, they knew when it was time to hang it up. Hang it up. Injuries and age and family life. Right? I mean, in the Jeter documentary, Jeter talks about with his wife, or I guess his wife talks about with him, like, hey, you know, I want to have kids, but like, I'm not going to do it while you're playing. And he, he said the same thing. Like, I'm not, I can't give everything I have to a kid while I'm still playing, but I want to have kids too. And even his wife, I think said at some point, like, you know, okay, you know, you broke your ankle in the playoffs, Derek, you can go back, but this is it, dude. This is it. Otherwise, like, I can't be with somebody who's just not going to put our family and everything else at the forefront of his priorities. So Jeter goes out, does his farewell tour, has a dream storybook ending, right? It's the same thing. Dude, it's all these guys. Jeter, walk-off hit. Final home game at Yankee Stadium. Beautiful ending. Then he retires. Kobe, final home game with the Lakers. Drops, what, 50, 60 points? What did, he, what did, what did Kobe score in his final home game? Kobe Bryant's final home game. Sixty. Kobe goes out in his final home game, drops sixty. Then he retires. Tom Brady, in his final year, changes teams, proves everybody wrong that he is not a product of the Belichick system. Wins a Super Bowl. That is just, dude, retire. Just retire at that point. What else do you need? What else? I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Now he's out there, like just, just looking, just lost. And sad, and every time this team goes three and out, or he throws a bad interception, or gets sacked, or misses a guy by five yards on a throw, show him walk over to the sideline, sit down on the bench, slam his helmet down, slam the tablet down. It's not a good look, Tom. I mean, this is has to be his last year. Has to be his last year. Otherwise, man, dude, he's got to sit down with like a psychologist, and they got to analyze like, dude, what is wrong with you? Because he just, he looks like shit. And, and he should look like shit. He's old. And he has nothing left. This doesn't make any sense, man. Anyways, I, ho- I mean, I hope they're best for Tom. But San Francisco is, is a wagon. And that's th- this will move on to, to, to our next point, okay? The 49ers are, look great. And I said it in our last episode. The 49ers don't need a star quarterback to be successful clearly right their defense is unbelievable the weapons they have at their disposal unbelievable right Debo did get hurt it sounds like he avoided any uh major injury but at at the minimum it sounds like he's got an ankle sprain or knee sprain or his leg got folded up behind him it looked a lot worse than apparently what the diagnosis is which is great because we love Debo we want Debo to be uh, healthy and and you know, contributing to this explosive San Francisco offense. 
And Brock Purdy will probably get the job done, okay? But we saw what Baker Mayfield did on Thursday Night Football with two days of preparation, okay? If the 49ers would have picked up Baker Mayfield, I have no doubt in my mind they would have won the Super Bowl this year. No doubt. It's hard for me to sit here and tell you, even if as good as they've been performing, that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl with a guy like Brock Purdy. It's no disrespect to Brock Purdy, right? He played a good game. He's been relatively productive in the time that he's had on the field for the 49ers. But if you're going to if you're going to ask me who I'd rather have, Brock Purdy or Baker Mayfield, I'm going to go Baker. And we talked about it. We just said Baker's not Baker's not going to be the strongest guy, the biggest guy, the best arm, the most accurate. Good news on a team like the 49ers, you literally don't need to be any of those things. Look at Jimmy G. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. Doesn't have the best arm. He's not the most accurate. I mean, Jimmy G and Baker are almost the exact same guy, except Baker's got a little bit of that fire. So if if Baker would have found himself in San Francisco, and even if he didn't play like this week, right? But they signed him and they put him in. I'd be I'd be inclined to take whatever the San Francisco 49ers odds are to win, if not the NFC, maybe the Super Bowl with Baker. But Brock Purdy is not going to be the guy that leads them to the promised land. Not to mention they got to beat the Eagles, most likely on the road in Philadelphia. At some point in the playoffs, if they don't lose before that. And the Eagles are a wagon. But San Francisco, man, they missed out. They missed out on Baker Mayfield. They missed out big time, I think, on Baker Mayfield. Because otherwise, they'd have this quarterback who's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got fire. He's got passion. He's got energy. And he just fits. He, he would have fit in right where Jimmy G left. And now... I mean, yeah, they got Brock Purdy, I guess. Debo's hurt, kind of. I mean, you got McCaffrey, Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. I don't know. I I, I know their defense is going to give up like 10 points a game for the most part. I mean, look at the 49ers. uh, Let's look at their schedule. Let's Let's look at the points allowed, okay? They give up 19 to the Bears, 7 to the Seahawks, 11 to the Broncos, 9 to the Rams, 15 to the Panthers, 14 to the Falcons. Oh, no, 28 to the Falcons. And then they give up 44 to the Chiefs. Somebody somebody came through that defensive unit and said, uh, hey, clean it up. Because after they gave up 44 to the Chiefs, 14 to the Rams, 16 to the Chargers, 10 to the Cardinals, 0 to the Saints, 17 to the Explosive Dolphins, and 7 to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Bruh, they need Baker. Ugh, man, they missed out. They missed out. And that's, again, dude, that's no disrespect to Brock Purdy. But he's not, he's not going to be the guy. Okay. In that game, by the way, okay, and throughout the weekend,
the NFL no longer stands for the National Football League. Okay? It stands for the No Contact Football League. Because some of these roughing the passer penalties that are coming down on defensive players, it is it's so uh it's so bad for the sport. It's 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 so bad. The the initial the initial reasoning behind calling more roughing the passer penalties is to protect the quarterback. Same reason why quarterbacks, when they go out of the pocket and they they scramble and they slide and they take a hit, most of the time it's going to be a penalty because they want to protect the quarterback. I I get it. And I, I think that's fair in a lot of cases, especially when a guy's going down to slide, gets hit late, head bounces off the turf, concussion. I like that's that's a that's a player safety thing. Okay. But if a player comes around the edge unblocked and hits a quarterback and sacks him, right? Even if he lands with like a little bit of body weight, what else is he supposed to do? When you come through, are you supposed to hit the guy and then go over the top of him and not put your body weight on it? Because you want to inflict pain. You want to show the quarterback like, hey, I'm here, dude. It's part of the mental the the mental chess game in football. Like, hey, you got to get rid of the ball quicker, man, or step up in the pocket or avoid the pressure or make sure next time you have more guys protecting you, less offensive options for you to throw to. Stuff like that. But I saw it on Sunday in the 49ers and, and Bucks game. Keanu Neal comes around the edge on the first play of the game and hits Brock Purdy. It's like, it looks like the cleanest, like there's no crowd of the helmet. There's no like targeting. There's no face mat. Like there's nothing about it where you're like, oh, like it's just straight up. Nice hit. Nice football play. Flags just come flying in. Just come flying from like three different refs. Roughing the passer. Defense. 15 yards. Automatic first down. What are we doing in the NFL? What are we doing? I, I I can sort of understand wanting to protect the quarterbacks, sort of. And again, right, if a guy comes around the edge and then, like, spears the quarterback and, like, breaks his ribs or something, like, okay, maybe, like, did you need to do that, man, right? Did you need to, did you need to spear the quarterback and, like, injure him? No. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with, like, if you hand the ball off to a running back, Right, handed off to running back. He hits a hole. He's in open field, and gets hit shoulder. The defender's shoulder hits him right in the chest. Drives through him, buries him into the turf. That's just a clean tackle. Good hit. But if it's a quarterback, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, you mean the guy holding the football? I like. I mean, what are you like? What are we doing? Then there's another call last night in the NFL uh, in this in Sunday Night Football. There's another call uh, on the Dolphins on Justin Herbert. Number 15 comes around the edge. Beautiful spin move on the right tackle. Gets after Herbert, like hugs him, 
just gives him a hug, falls. Oh, 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 oh. But his body weight was on the quarterback. What what do you mean? It's called gravity and it's football. It's a contact sport. And again, I can understand they protect the quarterback. Guy comes unblocked off the edge. Boom. Spears the quarterback or whatever. Wraps him up. Drives him in the turf. Dislocates his shoulder. Okay. You know, like, dude, relax. Right. You can hit a guy and not injure him. And number 15 under the Dolphins did not. Did not drive him in the turf. Slam him to the ground. None of that stuff. He just, he hit him. He sacked him. Tried to brace himself. Roughing the passer. Defense. 15-yard penalty. Automatic. First down. What? Dude. NFL. Revisit. Revisit. What you define as roughing the passer. Please. Please. Because it's starting to get to the point where it's hard. It's, it's, I I watch games and I see defenders come unblocked or make a good move on an offensive lineman. And I see him come after the quarterback and I go, Oh, don't hit him too hard. Don't hit him too hard. It might be a penalty. When in reality, besides using the crown of your helmet or grabbing the guy's face mask, if he's holding the football, you should be able to hit him as hard as you possibly can. In the field of play. No helmet to helmet. No crown of the helmet. No face mask. If it's a clean hit and everybody's safe and it's just contact, that's the sport of football. That's why everybody likes football. But now every time there's a big hit, not even a big hit, medium-sized hit, like an average hit, it's roughing the passer, defense, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down. When the defender did everything right, sheds a block, comes around the edge on like a third and nine play. Boom, sack, eight-yard loss, woo. Nope, forget about it. 15-yard penalty, automatic first down. Stupid, man. Really, it's bad. It's really bad. Anyways, done ranting. But that's the NFL, man. That's what it's been. Um, the Eagles, by the way, with, with their win over the Giants, they clinch a playoff spot with four weeks to go. Uh, right now, if the season ended today, the Eagles would be the one seed. Uh, I think the cow, yeah, the Cowboys would be the two seed. With the head-to-head over the Vikings in the NFC. In the AFC, I think it would be Kansas City and Buffalo one and two, or Buffalo and Kansas City one and two. Um Buffalo looks really good. Kansas City looks really good. Uh the only game we didn't touch on, the only score we didn't sort of report, I guess, if you will, is uh the Chiefs beat the Broncos 34-28. Chiefs are going to <sighs> The Chiefs are really good, man, and Mahomes is really good. 
Um, but their defense is just, it's not great. Just not great. I mean, you give up 28 points to the Denver Broncos, man. Ouch. They do have this nice little two-headed monster in the backfield, Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. A couple of running backs that are good weapons. Pacheco's been proven and showed in that game that he can run the ball hard in between the tackles. So, I mean, that's a good weapon to have. And then Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield uh, as a running back. He had seven catches for 112 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. So, I mean, he's a fucking weapon too. Uh, but yeah, that's the NFL in a nutshell. Okay, uh, tonight's game that we are recording beforehand is Patriots at Cardinals, and Pats are favored by two and a half. So that's kind of a snoozer fest game. Cardinals kind of suck. Pats kind of suck. Pats are still, I guess, fighting for a playoff spot. Cardinals are one and six at home this year. One and six. Jeez. Fucking brutal year for the Cardinals, man. Yikes. Anyways. That's going to do it for NFL coverage. Okay. Now, before we let you guys go, and before we wrap up this episode, there's been a couple different uh, other things that have gone on that we wanted to touch on. Okay. Uh, Somebody took the time out of their day to buy or or program or code a bunch of Twitter bots, like a bunch, a bunch of Twitter accounts, a bunch of them. Somebody took the time to take. I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be like over 100 different Twitter accounts, bot accounts. And programmed them all to say the exact same message. Stetson Bennett isn't even the best player on his own team. Maybe not even close. Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, transformed our entire team and program. He is our best and most important player. What do they base the Heisman vote off? So clearly it was a Tennessee fan, fan of Hendon Hooker, non-fan of Stetson Bennett, who took the time to program or buy or do whatever these bots on Twitter and to have them all send out the exact same message. Okay. What's funny to me about this. Number one is that he didn't even take the time to like, make it look like this could be legitimate in some capacity. Like some of these accounts, right? Some of these, uh, some of these profiles that are sending out these tweets, I'm not going to make any assumptions and I'm not going to say I, I know where certain people's interests lie. But typically speaking, right, um, got people named Katsuki and Man Young and Hanada Hyuga and Sawako, those aren't necessarily names I would associate with Tennessee football fans. So next time, whoever the guy was, maybe just try a little bit better or use a different website that's going to use like uh, usernames or profile names that would reflect potentially better than 
clearly him just going on some random website run through probably somewhere in Asia and using these bot Twitter accounts to spread <laughs> this tweet about Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker. Dude, get a life. First of all, get a life. If you spent any money on this or, or anything like that, holy cow, get a life. Second of all, make sure the names next time coming through are like Ricky Stevenson, Bobby McKnight, Trey Johnson. Like, I mean, just something that seems like, because I promise you, nobody, nobody over in in any part of Asia or probably Europe or any other continent, to be honest, even knows who Hendon Hooker or Stetson Bennett is. So let's at least if we're going to try to troll, if we're going to try uh, to buy out Twitter bots and spread this message about Stetson Bennett, <laughs> let's try a little bit harder next time because it took Graham Coffee at Dog Out West, who's a coverage guy for, for uh, Georgia football, took him all of about three seconds to search in the Twitter search bar that key phrase of Stetson Bennett isn't even the best player on his own team and just, just scroll, just scroll through and just found all the tweets from all the bots. Pretty sad. If you ask me. All right. Last thing here on the phenomenal fan podcast that we wanted to cover. MLB free agency. The money that's getting handed out, we've talked about it before. We've already seen sort of what it, what it is, right? It's absolutely absurd. Judge goes back to the Yankees after some reports came out that it was potentially Judge going to the Giants. There's this obsession. Well, first of all, let's say this. John Heyman, right? How many followers does John Heyman have? John Heyman has eight over. John Heyman has over 800,000 followers on Twitter. Okay. John Heyman reports. Arson judged the Giants. Then he corrects his tweet. Aaron judge. Uh, let me see. I, I want to make sure. Uh, John Heyman. Hey, Heyman. Arson. see John Heyman tweets out arson judge appears headed to Giants then he deletes that tweet retweets a new one Aaron judge appears headed to the Giants and then four minutes later five minutes later tweets out giants say they have not heard on aaron judge my apologies for jumping the gun okay well no problem uh but you're fired from mlb network um you immediately lose all credentials and every part of the media and he should be instantly excluded from the list of top mlb reporters because there's this obsession obsession 
with being the first guy, being the first. I got the news. I got the sources. I got the I got the info. I'm the first. I'm going to break it. And I guess to some extent, I understand it because that's how these guys gain followers, right? Become because when you are the first guy, then you provide value to the people that see your content and then they subsequently follow you because this guy's got this he's got the leaks he's got the stuff he's got the scoop but when it's a situation like aaron judge an mvp player a guy coming off a 62 home run season potentially signing one of the largest and most important free agent contracts in the history of the sport and you don't even have the time or the energy, you don't even pay attention enough to just type it out and then just read it over once and realize, oh, it says arson judge. And you're like, uh, arson judge to the Giants, send. Uh, brutal, unprofessional. And by the way, wrong. He's not going to the Giants. And then you take the time, oh, I screwed up his name. Delete, repost. Aaron Judge appears head of the Giants. Wrong again, John. Wrong again. Wrong. And then he's like, oh, sorry, I, I guess I messed it up. Whoops. Whatever. Anyways, uh, this guy's signing with like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hello? Like, you just sent one fan base into a spiraling depression for a matter of minutes. And another fan base into a jubilation, potential parade celebration type of excitement. And then you're like, actually, uh, never mind. Sorry. My bad. Like, strip him of his credentials. Fire him from MLB Network. You just, that cannot, it cannot happen. It can't happen. It just can't. Just can't happen. And while we're on the subject, last thing I'll say, these other guys tweeting out, if you're a reporter, if you're a news guy, Stop tweeting out or putting out information that a deal or a trade appears to be close or it's making progress. There were reports about Xander Bogarts and the Red Sox making significant progress. Okay. And then where did he go? The Padres. Mark Feinsand, who is a pretty respected MLB reporter and has got good information, he reported like, a week and a half ago that the A's were really close to trading Sean Murphy, their catcher. Well, Mark, here we are a week and a half later. He's still on the Oakland A's. Clean it up if you're an MLB reporter. Clean it up. Because you can't just tweet this shit out because you just you got the inside scoop and you're getting texts from the guy's agent or some random dude who doesn't know anything. You, you can't just put this information out there. It's misleading to the people. And in all honesty, they're just using this. They're preying on people that are vulnerable. The fans that are desperate for any information, they're preying on them and using that, that vulnerability to take advantage of them and try to gain followers and impressions and all these different things and notoriety when, they don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. Here's a tip for you guys. If you are a baseball fan or a football fan or a lot of kids, follow the verified 
ESPN big name guys that only report 100% accurate information. For football, it's it's uh for football it's Adam Schefter. For basketball, it's Adrian Wojnarowski and for baseball it's Jeff Passan. They all happen to be with ESPN and they never report anything that's not true. They put out information that is 100% like going to happen or has happened already. At no point did Jeff Passan put out Aaron Judge close to going to the Giants. Sean Murphy might be getting traded. No, it's when it happens. Jeff Passan's feed is quiet, and then boom, Xander Bogarts to the Padres. Aaron Judge backed with the Yankees. That's the guys that deserve all the notoriety and the credit, not these fucking clowns that are just preying on people uh, with information that they don't even have. So that's going to do it for the phenomenal fan podcast guys 49 minutes about 50 minutes here hopefully you guys enjoyed it thanks for tuning in as always we appreciate the uh, support on a monday here we may be recording a shorter episode later on this week there may be some more free agencies going on and also be sure to check out our baseball only podcast between the stitches uh because we're going to be putting out an episode here later today with some baseball talk so hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and uh we'll catch you guys next time on episode 48 of the phenomenal fan podcast all right so adios thanks for listening to the phenomenal fan podcast want more follow us on social media and subscribe to patreon for exclusive content